welcome to episode number 365 of the Create Magic Podcast. That's right, I've been doing this for one year exactly, every day putting out an episode, and it's been a blast. I have been reflecting a lot on this whole thing, and as you'll see from this upcoming conversation, reflection's a big part of what this podcast has kind of brought into my life in a different way. I got to sit down with Sutton Crawford for the second time on the show and have a whole wide, beautiful conversation about where I've come with this podcast and where it's going, and we even get to do a little tarot reading with the uh, next year of the podcast in mind and what the future holds, and it's just one of my favorite conversations I've got to have in general and has really clicked with me for so many other aspects of my life outside of this podcast. So thank you, Sutton. Go support everything she does. I'm going to keep this short still so you can just hear this beautiful conversation. There's links below to support Sutton's work, so please do that. And thank you for being here for the last year. It truly means the world. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Yes, no, absolutely. This is you're my first return guest, which is super exciting for me. Yeah, Yay! it was. <laughs> it right. was a, and it was something that is so perfect. So my voice might be a little off. I didn't even think I told you this before we started, but I had no voice yesterday. Teddy brought home something nasty this weekend, and we both like lost our voices and like so slowly oh, coming no. back. I think I'll be good for this one, but if I sound a little off or if it starts uh, getting a little weak there, that's that's what's going on. <laughs> you sound great. You sound great. <laughs> <laughs> kindergarten has been a experiment in like bio warfare on the house i feel like the amount of germs and weird stuff that he's brought home in the last year and i hear kindergarten's the worst and then it gets better and all of that so i really it's hope that's really, true <laughs> i'm lucky that my kid is not in kindergarten yet because i i don't, I don't even know i'm like i don't <laughs> we I don't want to pass these all these illnesses around over and over and over again yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been it's been fun. But I, I want to jump back into what we were talking about right before we were recording here in this idea of piecemeal manifestation. You were talking mm -hmm. about a pool you did this morning, and I think that'd be mm -hmm. a great place to start if you could kind of go through that again. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I was talking about how I pull a Tarot Tuesday for my uh, coven Instagram, which is called a casual coven with my partner, Laura. Uh, her name is golden willow healing on Instagram, but I, we do, t I do tarot Tuesday every week and I pull, usually I'll do three different piles, ABC, and I use Oracle and tarot cards, but this week's, uh, spoiler alert, uh, this week's a pile was create your reality and the Knight of pentacles. And, so knights, right, are how do they reach their goal? Pentacles are things that take time, right? Tangible things, money, business, hearth, home. And then create your reality. I really, I really connect that with manifestation, right? So with that combination, and I've been obsessed with this idea because another one I did earlier in the year was the magician and 
something else that was about pieces, right? Piecemeal, right? So the Knight of Pentacles, they take things slow and they're willing to commit time to things and know that slow and steady wins the race, right? That's what I associate so deeply with the Knight of Pentacles. And then you put that with create your reality, which is to me about manifestation. I was like, piecemeal manifestation is underrated and not as uh, flashy, I would say, as sometimes you do a spell or you, you make a prayer or you petition to the universe something and it comes right away and you get it and you're like, oh my God, see, it worked. But what's so magical about our lives is doing the little pieces of things that we put together that ultimately creates our reality, right? So the little teeny yes. pieces, the little movements we make, the little adjustments, right? And I, I think in the post, I said, it's like a, it's like a quilt, like you finish that one part of the quilt and then you put it onto the bigger part. And then the, eventually you turn and a year later, five years later, however long you look and you got this beautiful quilt. So I I'm obsessed with that idea of like slow manifestation. What what does little pieces of a puzzle look like that come together to make the whole finished product of what creating a reality looks like. And that's what we were talking about before we popped on. Yeah. And I, I love that for so many reasons. And there's a bunch of stuff that it makes me think of right off the bat. One, create your own reality is such an important phrase to me. And I, anyone mm -hmm. that's listened to this podcast recently has heard me go on and on about how I really feel like we are, you know, we live in a very self-realized uh, world that like the things that we take in fictionally and the mythologies we put into our, into our brains and live by create the worlds that we're surrounded by. And I see it like with my kids all the time, like the way my, my six year olds into Harry Potter for the first time. Oh and, my God. You know, <laughs> he's, he's never had nightmares his whole life. He's never woken up with a nightmare or anything. We get to the end of the first book and he's like, you know, pretty scared of Voldemort. I'm dumbing it down, uh -huh. but he starts having nightmares about Voldemort for the first time. And it just like was one of these things that dropped this reminder to me that like the fictions and the mythologies that we take in have this real life impact in a bigger way than even just dreams in a lot of the ways. So that oh creates God, your own so reality. True. And like, I, I've been really focused on the idea that almost like being careful of what I'm taking in imaginally or fictionally or mythologically and trying to find things that support the reality that I want to live in. And I think about mm -hmm. this a lot in the way that my kid gets introduced to uh, ideas about the paranormal or weird things and stuff and in trying to introduce it to him in a way that's less uh, kind of antagonistic with a lot of the fiction mm -hmm. that I grew up on, whether it was like uh -huh. Ghostbusters hunting ghosts or Scooby-Doo <laughs> being as it's all hoaxes and trying to like give him an, a, a perspective of this that this is just more th stories to remind you of how magic the world is and to uh, kind of inspire curiosity and those types of things. Absolutely. It makes me think of this video that my kid was watching on kids YouTube where uh -huh. the, the Paw Patrol, it was like somebody pretending to be the Paw Patrol toys. I promise this is going to make sense. <laughs> and they, they, the Paw Patrol toys were dressing up for Halloween and Sky was a witch, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the narrator said, no, Sky, you can't be a witch because witches aren't good. And so she changes to a fairy princess. And I was like, stop. How oh. dare you turn that video off right now? Your mother is a witch. Witches are not wow. all bad. Like I was yeah. so upset. 
No, and, and that's that, that it's like what you integrate yeah. into your kid and your own sphere. And yeah, anyway, so. <laughs> no, so I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been very mindful about the way that Teddy interacts with these things. And mm-hmm. he's recently via Legos and the uh, the YouTube Legos that he, YouTubers that play Legos, they realize he's discovered Minecraft. This is the first time video games have has entered his world at all, right? Uh-huh. And for the first forever, he didn't even want to play. He just wanted to watch it, right? And yes. it's the first time I noticed, <laughs> like, it's showing him that it's okay if it's a zombie or a skeleton or something that's like of that world. It's fine to uh-huh. kill them or boop them as blast the, them. The, blast yeah. them. And like, because they're not human, they're not. And like, it's fine to have. And I was like, oh, wow. I think I just lost that battle completely because this is like <laughs> now his like complete world. And like, so it's, it's one of those things that I don't think there's like a, you know, 100% right way to do it. But I just, I'm trying to be more mindful about that in all ways. And I feel like that's just one. One part of that kind of overall piecemeal manifestation that you were just talking about. Absolutely. So, so like what on your eyes are some of the other pieces of that piecemeal manifestation? Like I love the idea of practice and like having a tarot practice or things like that. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the other things that you think can kind of help along with figuring out how to piece it all together or recognize the pieces? Maybe that's a better way to, to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I do see everything immediately. What came to my mind is looking at it through the, the minor arcana of a tarot deck, which when you look at those four um, suits, right, we got swords, pentacles, uh, wands, and cups. And when you, so for me, the reason tarot is so unbelievable and so amazing is because, you know, swords are the logical mental stuff. Cups is your emotional, intuitive, creative world. Wands is your energy and your action, right? And your inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then pentacles are tangible choices, right? Like I said before, of like, what do you do for a living? Where do you live and who's in your environment? And so the reason I'm so uh, like obsessed with tarot is, and why it's transcended time since 1400 is because those are the pieces of manifestation and those are the pieces of ourselves, right? Of, of why someone in LA can have the, not the same tarot card reading, but can have the same experience as someone I read for in London or in, you know, in Paris or something like that. And, and through different ages too, right? Because it's those pieces of manifestation are our mind and what we put our mind towards and what we logically think is a good idea, but we can't ignore intuitively what we think about something or emotionally what we feel for something mm-hmm. and then creatively how those things are connected. And then, I mean, then it's like you get that energy part, the wands, right? Where it's like, if I don't put energy into it, it may never happen, right? I have yeah. to have the spark of the propulsion forward towards the reason I love the pentacles. I think I like love the pentacles the most because all those things should influence then what we do for a living and yes. how we function in our environment with the people around us and where we live, right? So. I think it's that. I know I hate to bring yes. no, I don't hate to bring it back to tarot cards, but like it those are the pieces of manifestation, right? How I energetically put energy towards something, what I think about it, how I'm emotionally connected to it or creatively or intuitively connected to it and then seeing it play out in real time in my mm-hmm. life 
yeah, that's, I think, right? I mean, no, that's perfect. It makes me think <laughs> of this analogy from, I used to work for, I did design work for a janitorial redistributing company for a long time after I got out of, I made like catalogs for mops and trash bags and stuff. And at some point I got exposed to this really cliche business dude, like a sales teaching class. And he just, it was like an hour of him just using metaphors, right? But some of them have stuck with me pretty good. And there's this one uh -huh. he would he would use where if you look at business or what you were just saying about tarot, if you look or your life, you look at it as a carriage with horses being being drawn if all of those horses aren't running in the same direction if the horses are going in different directions and each horse isn't uh -huh. supporting the other one you're not going anywhere uh -huh. you got to have them all so like if those aspects of your life aren't all in support of each other then you're going to be pretty stagnant and have trouble to like reach those manifestations that we were talking mm -hmm. about so that makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense and just like logically I, I always love those like very um easy images you can place where like, you know, I can picture a horse with a or a carriage horse and carriage trying to run in multiple directions and it's just like splitting apart or like totally really fast. And like, I, yeah, it's, that's so, so beautiful. And I, I love how you put that Sutton that I thank think that's you. And it's funny because when I, I do talk to people a lot about their dis uh like for lack of a better word their dislike for their jobs right mm -hmm. or the realization that their job isn't their entire identity and mm -hmm. for a long period of time they exited the matrix as some people would say but for a long period of time all of a sudden that their job was everything and they something happens right someone passes away or um whatever you know that, that they're like oh or they have a child right and, mm -hmm. and it's like that's not my entire identity and in fact i'm not even sure i really like it that much right <laughs> and so then you start to see how i mean it's really rooted in the bigger system but that that to me is a person who's only using part of the tarot deck to formulate their life, right? They're really only using swords and maybe a little bit of wands. Yeah. And because anything their pentacles really end up being is not the thing that spiritually aids them or not the thing that is the best version of itself it could possibly be. And I know that's a privileged statement, right? We got to make money and we, and, and we got to support our families and support ourselves. But like, if you hate your job, right? Yeah. You're completely ignoring your whole cups, right? You're completely ignoring creativity. You're completely ignoring your intuition. You're completely ignoring your emotions. Yes. And so the reason why the magician, right, in a great tarot deck has all the minor arcana at their disposal is because if we can try and keep all the horses and all those things balanced moving forward, that's when we create our reality the best way we possibly can. That's when we can manifest the best way. That's so perfect. I love it. It makes me think of a few different things that I've really been kind of obsessed with recently. I got to talk to uh, Mitch Horowitz for the podcast, who's like one of my uh, favorite writers and just like uh -huh. people. And he has this idea of uh, simplification and manifestation and that the, the real trick or the real thing could be to just actually identify what we truly want and to be really honest. And if we can really just identify th that and be, you know, completely frank with ourselves, is that powerful enough to cause that manifestation? And I mean, he mm -hmm. puts it in a much more eloquent way. But I've been thinking about that idea a lot of like the the 
surface level what we think we want with our lives and then that truly Mm -hmm. sitting with yourselves and being like what do I really want like how is Mm -hmm. the things that I'm doing supporting what I really see myself being and the idea that reflecting on these things and this is something that Mitch talks about that I love that I do uh that I don't do justice with but the idea that reflection is part of it in the way that it's retrocausal that that to stop and reflect on the way that we are living and the way that our general day-to-day action support that overall higher life goal or whatever we want to call it that mm-hmm. that has an effect to make it happen and that it's there's there's this whole study with this um gentleman named professor bem at uh, cornell university that he st- he essentially ran an experiment for years that's one of the most studied meta-analyzed experiments that shows essentially two groups of people taking a test one group of people take the test, leave, don't review it at all. The next group mm-hmm. of people take the test and review it, go over what they got wrong, go over what they got right. And statistically, mm-hmm. the people that review the test do better on the test in a very significant way, almost. And his hypothesis is that there's a retrocausal time is not as linear as we all know time's not as linear as we think it is. Right. And there's right. something to that wobbliness that we can affect the past by the way that we're living our present and there's something really powerful to wait that so they idea. don't take the test over again they just no. go back and and they're they just, just better at the test. and they're better at the test and this is like i can't explain it nearly as well That's i recommend amazing. everybody go listen if you listen to almost any podcast mitch has done in the last two years it's in there it's in a lot of his books he explains it so much better than i do but there's these little nodes of like science catching up with these intuitive ideas that we have all Mm -hmm. felt for a while. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that there is something to that idea of like identifying what we truly want and then reflecting on it, that things like tarot allow us to do in a certain way that, you know, it's kind of hard. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what, that's what made me think of when you just explained that, like, that's a really, Oh my God. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and, and, it's making, it makes me think of like, this is really weird and random, but it makes me think of like a, a performer or um, an actor or a musician or whatever it may be. And when they have a lot of self-reflection that they have to do because you, they like in the simplest way in the connecting to what you're saying, it's like they have to, at some point really look within to decide how in the public they want to be right Mm -hmm. or anybody really um if the if they want to be on a grand scale or talk to people or be on podcasts or whatever it may be um how famous do you want to be how much do you want people to know your name how much do you like and really needing to like reflect on that right to get to get it the way that you want it um but like with the, yeah, it's the, the tarot thing is so interesting because sometimes people will come to me and want to talk about like three different ways they want to change their life. And I'm like, well, that's a lot. Okay. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and through an hour conversation, it'll become very clear that like what I truly want is this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. I think I, at the beginning, I, I put them all out there because yeah, I could see changing that, or I could see changing this, but the thing that my heart truly desires or that my, Mm -hmm. my energy really wants to move towards is this thing. And that it, and, and, and like trying to right get the horses on the same cart going towards that thing. So yeah, it's reflection does become the biggest aspect of of manifesting in a way that is it's really really true 
because if it's if if it's on a bigger level too right if we are sending that idea of even the knowledge that i'm going to refer back to the test after i've tested i knew that coming into the test and therefore i am yeah the the wobbliness of time and totally it's really really interesting (laughs) that's my favorite and i think it also speaks to what a lot of uh more even materialist people are landing on as far as ideas of either panpsychism or animism or these new ways of looking at human consciousness that are becoming more accepted in a, that we're all connected that like you know this idea mm-hmm. that like we're all part of a giant tapestry is not as a as woo woo or psychedelic or any of those things like Terrence McKenna was right forever ago and like that's the, <laughs> it's the science and even like more mainstream neurologists and stuff are landing in these positions that like kind consciousness is not local to our mind so it would kind of make sense that the more we reflect on these things and share these things the more it you know we have access to that tapestry and like you know it, or yeah. we can interact with it better if that makes sense and oh the the one thing actually that you that i thought of and i wrote down when you were talking about the piecemeal and the way that manifestation can kind of look um weird because it happens slowly there's a drawing that i love by this artist rami nazer where it's uh the drawing is like a very black and white uh very smoky smoggy city and then underneath Mm -hmm. that it's like very bright colorful futuristic city and the line Mm -hmm. is something like it's all happening just not as fast as you want it to and i think Mm -hmm. about that all the time that person yeah Yeah. ramin he's amazing (laughs) amazing like one of my favorite artists and like but i think about that line all the time and especially in bringing up terrence McKenna where you know he had this whole idea of 2012 and the ramp up to novelty and that big end point and everything and everyone's like no 2012 didn't happen it was all BS but if you look at the cultural shifts from 2012 till now something started like something happened then that has not stopped and is only ramped up in this like uh, Eric Davis is one of my favorite people that call it uh, the global weirdening and I think that global weirdening really I think McKenna hit hit it like 2012 was this marker and like it wasn't this apocalyptic thing like we all want it to be where it's overnight difference or whatever but like right. it had it started something that we're living in now and like seeing absolutely exponentially ramp up so I think that kind of plays in slow down and like let, let it all filter in and kind of get in there and piecemeal manifest yeah. I love that yeah and and it's it's interesting because what keeps coming to my mind is the group of this right the, the connected consciousness right and this pretty severe group of people who are trying to stifle the connected mm-hmm. consciousness and the first thing the primary thing that comes to my mind is banning drag right yeah. um and wow. because that there's literally nothing negative about drag queens reading books to our children. There is literally nothing besides it being more inclusive, more supportive, Mm -hmm. more loving, more magical, more uh, fun. Right. Um, And, and so what the, what this group of people are trying to do is, is trying to squash the, the weirdening of the global collective, right? Mm-hmm. That then connects us all more and makes us feel more powerful and makes us feel authentic, right? And and like what that looks like too, like of them trying to squelch that. A book banning. I mean, like, yeah. come on. Like, it's what insane. are you guys? This is insane. Yeah, it is. It so, is. It, 
Yeah. It's it's so no. Okay. So this is so interesting because I think this, this might relate to part of what I was telling you. I listened to you on a funny feeling earlier that I love. I didn't get to finish it, but I think this might relate to something I wanted to ask you about some of the things you brought up there. But I, yeah. I, I feel like the more that those people and that group try to, you know, obviously I think a lot of this comes back to economics that like those people mm-hmm. yeah. that we're talking about are very set in this economics culture and system that we live Absolutely. in. And if we all realize that we're connected and all that's, it's the worst thing for capitalism. It's like, it's you want to, yeah. it's dangerous for their economic models and for the, you know, the way that the world Keeping is them on right top now. and us on the bottom. Yep. <laughs> totally. But the more that they try and like put that in the bottle, the more it seems to pop out in these really weird novel ways. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me how that ramp up is almost again, related to what Terrence McKenna, he talked about how the ramp up is going to look like the blurring of gender lines and the blurring of mm-hmm. cultures and globalism and everything coming together. And like there's boundaries are going to dissolve in every way. And I think something like a, uh, the, the drag queen ban is them recognizing this boundary dissolvement and freaking out and trying this last gasp of trying to hold on to what is yeah. inevitably going away. Like they're a way of the world is seems to be shrinking and it seems like this might be a last gasp at trying to keep their oh god their i whole hope thing. so so, Me mode too. It be. so yeah. mode it be <laughs> it would be great but uh yeah <laughs> but that kind of what brings me to what i wanted to ask you as far as and i know you're not an uh astronomer or astronomer is that the right word Astro- but this, Astro- I, I, yes <laughs> i'm bad with words sometimes Ast- no astronomer is the actual astrologer the act- right yes Astro- <laughs> yeah, astronomer is the actual scientist astrologer yes. is the person who yes. studies the planets for metaphysical reasons there we go (laughs) totally but you were speaking about these giant shifts that are happening that aren't just like once in a lifetime but like once in the like generations of generations time like these i think it was the return of pluto and some other things going on do you think that these are related like these these shifts that are happening right now with what's going on yeah can you speak a little bit to that yeah, I mean, it was it, it was funny because the day we uh, did the day that me and Betsy and Marcy recorded the podcast, we actually had a conjunction where all the planets lined up in the sky with the moon. So it was moon, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, I think, uh-huh. and they were all completely in a line. And I didn't mention it because it wasn't going to air that day. But that was like on the forefront of my mind was this moment where like all the planets aligned in the sky. Um, so that happened just recently. Then we went into Aries season, right? But then Pluto returned and it takes 200 some years for Pluto to go from the spot it was to come back around. And I think it does involve the fact that it doesn't, well, nothing quite as a circle, but like it has a strange kind of um, orbit, right? It's uh-huh. got a, like a not circular orbit. So Pluto has returned. And the last time that Pluto was in this, this placement was during the French Revolution. Wow. So wow. <laughs> right? And and yeah. then I can't I think it's Saturn had just recently done something and Saturn wasn't in this placement in and again, right? Not an astrologer, but I try to get as much information as humanly possible. Um that Saturn had something to do with being in a certain placement conjunct to other planets the same time that uh, this happened again um, during the last bank collapse. And then it was like almost to the week that the plan, whatever planet, right, came back into the same kind of placement as this most recent 
bank collapse with Signature mm-hmm. Bank and the one in 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 Portola Valley. Um, so yes, my husband thinks I'm crazy. No, he doesn't think I'm crazy. He well, he thinks I'm crazy, but he loves it. But like he he's like, oh, you're saying just because the planets are like, and I'm like, yeah, I I do. I think it's. I think that's why (laughs) those parallels are so hard to ignore. And especially with just uh, how much new stuff that's happening and how fast it's happening, whether Mm -hmm. I mean, it's some of it's almost uh, over talked about these days, but like AI and stuff and like the introduction to that and how it's like decimating markets. And like one of my favorite thinkers in these along these lines is Douglas Rushkoff. And he talks a lot about how, you know, jobs are not going to be a thing. And like, really they were like a thing that was a leftover byproduct of uh, the industrial revolution. And we don't really need mm-hmm. jobs. Like some people need to work and want to work and that's great. And we should have doctors, we should have, you know, sanitation mm-hmm. workers, all of these things, but our purpose and our livelihood and our, and our, our ability to live within society should not be tied to these things like these are all is a very antiquated way of looking at it and he talks Mm -hmm. about ai as a way of kind of exposing that but he brings up this point that really sticks with me and i think is something completely different where you know when we look at the way that ai is being implemented it seems to be implemented in these in these things that we're supposed to do in our leisure time to enrich our lives, like artwork and writing and poetry Mm -hmm. and like these things that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to want to do as a people, as a way to like enjoy ourselves. And why are we unloading those things into this, you know, AI thing? And like, why, why is like, it makes sense when like you're trying to cure your best uh, outcome for cancer. Give me the AI. It's going to tell you the most logical sure. thing here, here. When you're yes. trying to diagnose like, the way a car works, give you it. But like when Absolutely. it comes to schooling and artwork and these creative things that make I, I do not want an are, AI painting. Yeah. Like, and the, the, the thing that he lands on that's kind of weird is if you look at where most of the money is being spent in society right now, it's not on generating new products or new things. It's, it's generating marketing to sell the same thing that's been around. So like most of the money spent in our commerce these days is spent on marketing things. So it makes sense that when our capitalist structure looks at the first place to implement AI, it's on the marketing, which happens to interact with painting and writing and drawing. So like Mm -hmm. it's this whole thing that's kind of connected and all a piece But at the end of the day, if like the way that it's going, and this is my favorite part about the way that Doug kind of talks about this, if we can use this as a way to remember how magical of a world we live in, like he starts talking about how synchronicities have become more prevalent in culture because of things like AI and how AI gets people to think weirder in general. And all of these things can be like twisted to remind us of our humanness and how special our imagination is. And if we can, yeah. And if we can embrace that side of things and like kind of lean into how weird we are as a people, then that's where like, we'll see you, we can use these things as tools. We just can't replace everything with them. And like, like it's okay to use AI to help you write a book. It's not okay to write a book with AI or not anything's okay. (laughs) But like, that's kind of his example is he's like, I, he just wrote this really amazing graphic novel in the micropunk fiction in the micropunk genre which is this new i don't know if you're familiar with like solar punk Mm-mm. and all of that so solar punk came out of um a whole movement of fiction where they wanted to have a science fiction that was not dystopian that was completely positive there's not allowed to be any violence there's not allowed to be any kind of uh dystopian futures none of that stuff it's all uh-huh. pe- 
you can see how it's kind of it, it's a beautiful idea but leads to somewhat of a boring fiction telling sometimes so like there's sure. been all of these little <laughs> tweaks and stuff and one of them that's really interesting is mycopunk where essentially taking the idea that the mushrooms and these fungi and these slime molds and all these things that exist around us are helping usher us into a more utopian future and that like it's like the opposite of the last of us it's the idea that these yeah. <laughs> things are infecting us to help us become and realize that we're all part of a big tapestry just the way the mycelia is all part of the roots and the trees and they all communicate together like that's the so it's this world built around that idea right but it's still uh -huh. it, it, and he wrote this book and it has to do with like a i think it was like a 14 year old girl protagonist and he's like I'm not a 14 year old girl, but I can use the J AI to generator to help me get a picture of what it would be like, because it is just an amalgamation of our experiences via the internet. So he can mm -hmm. build that character and use that character's eyes via AI to look in the world and see it the way she would see it more than he could as a like, you know, 60 year old Jewish male. And like, right. So but that's much different than like just having the AI write the whole write thing it. and like say, yes. so like using it as a tool to expand our worldview and to connect and to like, or almost like experience different reality tunnels like Robert Anton Wilson used to talk about is really interesting mm -hmm. to me. And I think there's like a lot of mm -hmm. benefit there, but it's all about the way it's kind of implemented in, in someone's life I feel like and I don't even Absolutely. know how I went down that whole thing there Sutton I I lost my my train of thought there but because <laughs> we were talking about the planets and and, and oh. the return of all of these things and yes the and disruption so, towards the norm totally so what I want to get back to with that is you brought up how it is time to identify and this kind of got me where I got thinking about that Mitch Horowitz idea of like really identifying what you truly want in life because it seems mm -hmm. like now more than ever is the time to figure out how to get those horses on the road and what you really want to be backing those. And that's so relevant to what's been going on in my life in general. And we've been talking for a while and you know mm -hmm. a good amount about uh, things that have been shifting in my per personal life for a while now and how I feel like I'm on this cusp of like really, you know, that slow tapestry manifestation that has been that we've been talking about this whole time i'm starting to see it all come together at this point mm -hmm. and it's been interesting to me because i didn't know any of that astrological stuff and i love when the universe seems to wink at you and be like hey so you've been feeling this way and i before we recorded, I told you I've been having a series of uh, bird sightings that have meant a yep. lot to me. And I, I've, I have a, a hawk that's been hanging around our house. And then I got to run into a great white egret and some blue herons. And they've all been pointing me towards this thing. And I, I love that hearing randomly listening to a podcast you were on this morning also seemed to reiterate that. So can you talk about that idea of how now is the time to kind of figure out what you want and manifest it and make it happen? Yeah, I mean, and again, this is all piecemeal information that I have gathered through the people that I really respect. Like, I really love Channy Nichols. I really love um, uh, Crystal the Oracle on Instagram. Uh, I, it's like that. What I and I am obsessed with this idea that like I'll feel like I'll do something right. I'll like I'll function in my day a certain way, or I'll. Um, it's like almost like the old version of how we used to read horoscopes, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I'll function in my day or a week and or I'll feel this feeling to like 
reach out and do something kind of bigger that I've been thinking of, but I could have been like sitting on it and waiting. And then I go and I listen to a podcast about the astrology that's going on or like go and like look at where the planets are. And it's like completely backs up exactly the movement that I've been kind of doing, which is why I've just been pretty obsessed with it recently more so than I used to be like I used to love it but it was like and because it's getting more intense I think right so what was interesting is that the beginning of the year found us with a lot of planets in retrograde right and a lot of the planets were in their least comfortable placements right so you know um planets like to be in certain positions like venus likes to be in a certain position saturn likes to be in a certain position and when they're not there they they function it's a more challenging functional placement right and then retrograde and everybody kind of knows mercury in retrograde right Mm -hmm. everybody calls it talks about it all the time and actually it's coming very soon for us but mercury in retrograde it affects mercury in a way that it looks like the planet is moving backwards in the sky. It's not actually, but it ends up, Mercury doesn't like to, I mean, it actually, it, maybe it likes it, but we don't like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like when Mercury is in retrograde, uh, communication gets really messed up. Um, travel plans can get messed up. Um, interestingly enough, technology gets really disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so we had Mars in retrograde at the beginning of the year. We had... Uh, which, you know, the planet of like power and movement and war and Mm -hmm. right. And um, so a bunch of planets were retrograde and all these astrologers and all these people kept being like, you're going to feel, you might feel frustrated because January, according to the, the, right. The, 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 the um, capitalist calendar is the time where we're supposed to be like, doing all the things where we Mm -hmm. start over the new year and it's all supposed to manifest right then and there. And I felt exactly the same way. I was like, January is going slow. I don't feel like I am supposed to put all of this energy into this stuff quite yet. I'm formulating it. I'm figuring it out even February and then into March, March hit. And that's when all the planets kind of settled, got into more happy placements and all of those things. And then this beginning of Aries season was the moment where I was like, okay, now's the time. You can feel the fire that gets lit under our asses to like do these big things. And so this whole kind of beginning of the year period was interesting because it was asking us to identify some of the things that we want to see happen. But if we didn't feel the like overwhelming need to make them happen right away, like that was totally okay. And so now we're in that moment. Now we do we get this We're I don't know when this will air, but we've got the Libra full moon in like two days on Thursday. And then we've got Chiron and the sun uh, opposite or like facing each other. And Chiron is the wounded healer and the sun is illuminating that. And then we've got the full moon in Libra, which is all about balance and justice. Right. And so we've got this big full moon coming where it's like, what are the things, and this is, you know, this is very Chani um, Nichols that she was saying on her podcast this week, but she was like, what are the things that we want to illuminate about our wounds, right? And our healing that needs to happen to kind of ident- reflect, as we were saying earlier, right? Reflect on what it is what, that we truly want. And 
this the the changes were supposed to see start happening and the manifesting and the and the energy we put into things it's going to set us up for a longer period of time than maybe we're used to right um yeah. i think it's something into like 2000 uh it's, it's like years right that the changes we make now are years and then crystal the oracle who i really really respect um was she did the numerology for 2022, 2023, and 2024. And this was at the new year. And she was like, everybody's going to hate this opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway, which was, you know, 2022 numerology wise um, was the year that we made a bunch of decisions. And we kind of decided a lot of things about what changes we wanted to see or what we wanted to see happen. And then everybody, again, is always like, this is my year, right? Mm -hmm. Every time we have a new year, well, and not a like a witch's new year, but like a human new year, mm. we are like, oh, this is my year. And she was like, 2023 is no one's year, really, right? 2023 <laughs> is when we see all the changes that we decided to make in 2022. We see them all to completion, right? We we lay, we lay really dig in and decide to do them. And then 2024 is everyone's year where we really evolve and we really change and we really live in the authentic choices we make and, and getting rid of the things that don't serve us and all of those things happens now. And then 2024, it sets us up for this kind of massive evolution. So <laughs> that was a big long winded answer, but we just got a lot of, and then I think Pluto returning is a big deal. I yeah. think that it's, it's because if we're associating it with the French revolution, right. It's like how, and, and, and like France is protesting right now, right now, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Currently. Um, they know, they know how to do it. Um, but so uh, what are the best? Like, yeah. Right. They're, they created it. And so mm -hmm. like, it's, we, where, where do we stand in that? And what is our, what do we want our lives to look like? And I mean, I was so happy when I saw all those people in, in, uh, at the Capitol in um after the shooting like mm -hmm. i was so thrilled to see all those people protesting because it's like yeah. apparently that's the only way that we can get anything yeah. done or seen and and voting obviously as best we totally. possibly can but i i it is the it is the power struggle in a bigger grander but it's exactly what we're talking about in a bigger grander sense and the tapestry of of all of our our collective individual pieces mm -hmm. to make a bigger world and then it's the same thing for our own selves and manifesting as the little pieces that we put together to make the our the picture of our life ah yes. that's circle. beautiful <laughs> absolutely i so the amount like i have goosebumps again because the amount that that resonates with my last couple years and how i've been feeling and i one of the things so I mentioned to you before we started that Friday is going to be my year of doing this podcast. So I've been, this has been, I think this will be like, thank you. It feels weird. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I've been thinking a lot about in the way that you just been talking because, so I've been doing the daily art podcast for 300, this be 365 episodes on Friday. And I've done about almost 50 of these interviews and which you were mm -hmm. one of the first of Sutton. And uh, mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about the, you know, 
when you have a podcast that has all these numbers and shows you how many people listen and the whole trajectory. And when you get to your year, it gives you like those almost like the year end wrap up type things. But like, here's your growth. Mm -hmm. And like, it's all these things that is trying to get you to spend money on advertising and like all that stuff. But it's been really (laughs) interesting to look at the numbers. And because when I started this podcast, I had no uh, goal to like make it sustainable. Yeah, I don't do advertising. I don't do anything like that. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to have a a new outlet. I loved podcasting. I wanted mm-hmm. to have a new way of um, not only expressing and like kind of continuing the stuff I do with the drawings I post on Instagram and stuff like that, but a way to talk to people like yourself. And like, I do nothing but listen to podcasts and listen to mm-hmm. all these people. And I wanted a way to interact with them. And like, I was feeling kind of stagnant and wanted to find like what was inspiring me and all of that. So having this podcast has been a huge part of that and the goals like I don't think I'll stop doing the podcast anytime soon but the the things that it's been helping bring about in my life almost have nothing to do with the podcast itself like I have not like grown like Mm -hmm. I don't have a huge following I don't you know anything like that and like but there's this there's all these little side effects that have happened that have been so much more meaningful and like so much Mm -hmm. more useful throughout my life that like Mm -hmm. it really resonates with what you were just saying as far as like identifying and like really investing in those things that I've been doing for about a year and what's going the um final results of them I feel like are still so far away I have no clue you know what I mean like that's yeah. the really interesting part about it to me is like you said like this whole last year I feel like I've been doing this thing and I don't even really know exactly why I've been doing it besides like <laughs> you know those very I can make it sound like but like really I don't know why I started the podcast I don't know what made me be like this is the time to start a podcast and start like reaching right. things like like I don't know why like when, when I reached out to someone like Mitch Horowitz who like I didn't have any connection with him I'm just like I really respect like I love this person's work and it's a lot of the themes that we've been talking about like he talks about the way that it's okay to leave things like we don't use the power of leaving enough in our world because we're so scared absolutely the the consequences we have this thing built up in our head that we're gonna starve or lose our house but usually if we make the actions that support what we truly want those things do not happen and he talks about how he didn't transition to being an author until he was 40 something he was working in publishing and all this stuff but like that transition at 40 was huge for him and he hasn't looked back and it's all a part Mm -hmm. of what we've been talking about as far as like he left what was not supporting those uh, true goals and embraced not only like being an author but he talks about how he loves doing podcasts and being a showman and talking about these things and that was something he like felt almost embarrassed about for a long time but like there was something Mm -hmm. to like realizing that the public persona and like being out there and visible and sharing this stuff is as powerful as like you know just uh, experiencing and reading it and writing it and that's all part Mm -hmm. so I feel like again it just goes back to that idea of finding that whole tapestry of what supports you and how it's amazing that we're in this time to really utilize that like I Uh so all of that's a long way of saying that this is going to come out really soon because I want this now to be the year anniversary show. <laughs> I think I'm going to put this up on Friday, Sutton. So I oh didn't really, God, yeah. yeah, right? Like I, I didn't really have a plan, but I think this is going to be a perfect way to kind of celebrate like this whole conversation. I love that. It's been, I didn't really know where it was going to go, to be honest with you. Like when we talked about doing this, I didn't really have any plans except for just like, you know, catching up really. Uh-huh. But this is all perfect. And I feel like, 
is perfect timing for it to be a year of doing this show. And like, again, I, I love that. Oh, that's such an honor. Yeah. I, so, okay. And this might be putting you on the spot and we don't have to do this, but what do you think I love about being put on the spot? <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> what, what do you think about doing a little reading with the idea of the next year of this show? Like, like the idea of like, like, would you be into doing something like that? I would love like to that? do that. I would right. love to do that. Let me I, pick the right cards. Uh, well, while you do guess, that, I'm going to yeah. just keep talking a minute because I've been thinking a lot about the kind of future. So I do daily episodes where I talk for a couple minutes about the artwork that I post every day. And it's it's a lot and I love doing it. And it's the type of thing where I'm like, is this do I change the format? Like I'm, I've been thinking a lot about logistical stuff as well as overall goals of the podcast and whether mm -hmm. I like I I really love these interviews and I love having these conversations. I kind of want to lean more into this side of things, but I've been, yeah, I'm just kind of on the fence about a lot of where I take this and I want to be open to, a, like I said, I've had so many kind of side quests from this thing that have made like a, an amazing difference in my life and have been the like real fruit of this whole project. I feel so, yeah, I've, I've never, uh sat with an intention or really done anything along these lines in regards to this project that i'm doing so i think this would be super fun well let's do it and okay. before i before so i'm i'm cleansing my deck right now i just uh used some uh florida water on my hands that's a little bit of my practice before we even do that i did want to say that in witchcraft in magic in manifesting, in what we're talking about, in what Horowitz was talking about, about letting things go. And so profoundly with witches, right? Is that the wanting and getting the thing is so equally tied to the letting go of the things that don't serve us. And we see that when it comes to the moon, right? The reason that we, on a full moon, we banish on a new moon, we call in is because, you know, we have to see the kind of completion of things and the cycles of things and be willing to let things go. And I think that that was what was so important about the beginning of the year. It was like, actually, it's asking you to like re-engage with the things that don't serve us, right? Yes. To like oh my God. really let that shit go. And yes. anything that's not worthy of bringing with us isn't worthy of bringing with us and to be like, and, and I just want to say that like in manifesting in general or in, sorry, that's really loud or any, any kind of magic that anybody is doing. The reason is, is there's the death card in, in the tarot for a reason there. We have to let this stuff go. And even on a deeper level with like what we're talking about politically, you know, it's like we're in the midst of the tower and the tower is burning, but it had to, we had to see the ugliness so yep. that we didn't keep sweeping everything under the rug and pretending like it was all okay. It all had to be yes. illuminated so that we could decide what we need to banish. Um, I so I think again, collectively it's all full circle. Okay. So talk to me. Our, what we're really talking about is like what the future of the podcast kind of holds, but also like, should any changes be, made is that your question a little bit or i guess i i like the first phrasing let's go with that what does the future hold because i okay yeah all that other stuff is secondary i feel like and 
you know, I, I'm very excited for this. This is going to be super Okay, cool. good. It's I'm using um, the Dream Visions Tarot, which Ooh. is, uh, are these done? Yes. Which has been just like my, like, my bestie recently. Um, I use them on the podcast you were listening to today. I just am, I've just, they've been like singing to me. So that's who we're using, Dream Visions. Perfect. Well, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that reaction. <laughs> I love it. I mean, what's so amazing about this is, you know, when you pull three cards, right? Generally, the positions I'm going to put it in is past, present, future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got, we're, we can look at it that way, but then we're just going to kind of look at the whole kind of blanket idea of the conversation we're having, right? Um, because I think it's valuable in both ways. And I really think it's just because your question was, what does the future hold? Past, present, future doesn't exactly do it for me, right? Because it's like, well, what's the future of this? So we're going to really kind of looking at it both ways, but we're going to look specifically at it as um, all right now, right? Yeah. What's exciting about this is that you get major arcana card, minor arcana card, and a court card, which is one of everything. And very briefly, what I'll say to people is major arcana, big sweeping themes, minor arcana, day-to-day stuff, court cards, aspect of your personality or somebody else's, right? And I feel like the court cards have a prescription in them. So if you don't see yourself as one of the, like the archetype of the court card necessarily, there is something useful that every court card kind of offers us as a prescription of what we should or should not do. Um, so the, the, this major arcana card that you have here is the moon. And what I love about this is, you know, you said, I don't know why, I don't know why I decided to do it. I just, for some weird reason, thought it would be a good idea. Right. (laughs) And the moon is very, very deeply about your intuition. And, and it's, very deeply about a wild part of your intuition, right? Like the kind of crazy part of your intuition that externally people might judge a little bit, but you don't give a damn what people think about you because what you're doing is you're listening to that dark part of yourself that says, I should start a podcast and put myself out there and have people listen to me. And like, maybe think people think that's a little bit crazy, but I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Because intuitively inside of you, you were like, that sounds like something that I should do, right? Yeah. Not knowing necessarily it was going to lead you to the ripple effect of the stone in the water, not necessarily knowing if anybody was going to hear it, not who cares. It doesn't yeah. matter. I have to do it, right? And so I really love that about the moon. And even deeper than that, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of people recently about the moon being about the wildness of well, and we just referenced the moon, and so the synchronicities are about. Yeah, I know, but like that's so amazing, <laughs> right? But like the wildness that tries to get um, controlled, right? And how, ex- like in a, in the system, people the the moon's dangerous because it's mysterious yeah. and it's dark and it's intuitive. And interestingly enough, and you know, gender is a very interesting thing when you're talking about tarot cards. There are some people who don't like the phrase divine feminine or divine masculine. I mm-hmm. still use it, but the, the moon's a divine feminine card and everybody can inhabit both, right? It doesn't matter what your pieces are or how you were assigned at birth or how you identify, but it's a divine feminine card because 
it's um it's it's linked to intuition which was archaically that was a a a generally female idea and yet archaically the moon was bad right it was wild and so we find these times where it's like when do we not let people or external things control us when we listen to that wild thought inside of our head that says i should start a podcast and not give a damn and not judge myself and just do it anyway right so i love you get the moon then you get the Amazing. ace of pentacles, which I'm <laughs> obsessed with. I'm like, that's why I was like, wow, this is really uh, telling, isn't it? I mean, aces should always kind of be seen as a blessing from the universe, right? It's like a gift. Yeah. It's the beginning. And then pentacles are, like we said at the beginning of this whole situation with the knight of pentacles, money, business, and hearth and home. Mm-hmm. Tangible, mundane things. And I do say this, and I say this to all my clients, I'm like, this is a privileged white girl statement. But the fact of the matter is, is that generally, the thing I do for my work and how I make my money, and then who is in my environment where I live, right? Those are my choices. And yeah. and that is a privileged statement. But I, I, I attempt to choose those things every day. Yes. And so the Ace of Pentacles is the gift of that. It's the gift of like, planting this seed that you is going to take a while to form but that doesn't matter because you chose it right i like to plant the seed i like to take time on this and it is i mean you boil it down to something it's the beginning of a job or it's the beginning of a home right like if you like make it really simple it's like starting a new job or buying a house or buying a condo or something like that or moving right um so the ace of pentacles is lovely and it's like According to the cards, it's like, don't forego the idea that this could be even more in your pocket as a way to support yourself, as a way to um, uh, support your family, right? Um, Even if it's through the connections you make or, or, I mean, because I feel like it's a little unfair because you just told me a lot of, but I I didn't stack the deck. (laughs) But like this idea of the the different aces of pentacles that form from the relationships you make from going and trusting your intuition and being wild and starting it. Okay. So there's that. Then your court card is the king of cups. And what's very interesting about this card is kings represent, right? How do I rule my kingdom? And then you've got cups, which is emotions love, intuition, and creativity. Now, I know you pretty, I mean, I know you pretty well. You're extremely creative. I think you're sensitive. I think that you're intuitive. So the King of Cups is not a, like like an alarmingly not you tarot card, I'd say. But the funny thing about the King of Cups is that what the, the vibe and the prescription of the King of Cups in here is saying, it's really interesting and I love that it's again, full circle. It's like they heard us talking reflection. The king of cups really doesn't like to do that. They really don't like to reflect because what they'll find in there inside of them, because they're so sensitive is a lot. And you know what? The world is already a lot. (laughs) So the king of cups likes to numb that by doing things that are, they're kind of hedonistic people. So they like to do things like have too much to drink or, Mm -hmm. you know, like whatever it may be. And so they cover all of those feelings up because they don't want to look at it. 
Wow. And so that kind of, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily you, but that prescription becomes this idea of making sure as we're moving forward to double down on self-reflection. Is this still the ace of pentacles for you? Is this still something that after 365 days, like, is this, am, is this still what I saw that I value in it, right? Like all these questions about, and being like, what's the word? Vulnerable. Yeah. Like be, by talking to people, doubling down on vulnerability and talking and doubling down on letting your freak flag fly and doubling down on and being authentic, right? Because that's the thing that the King of Cups has a hard time doing. It's really hard for them. So their prescription is, how do we fight against the need to close ourselves down, to not be self-reflective, to numb it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how do we lead our kingdom with love is what the King of Cups would really ideally want to be doing. Um, so this thing is a beautiful thing. And, and if it's led you to more self-reflection, then so be it. Isn't that wonderful? And it, and let's be a little bit wild, right? We need more yes. wild people in the world, says the moon. Wow. That's Sutton. That's just amazing. Like I, that's so, your reading. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. Like, I, oh so my, God, I, my pleasure. I, I think it is like um, incredibly on a hundred, like <laughs> especially that last card, actually like a hundred percent that, it's one of the hardest things for, for me way. And I can tell by what I'm consuming when it gets harder for me, when you pulled the first card and we talked about that idea of letting things go as part of the manifestation, I've been thinking about that a lot and I've been mm -hmm. going down, I've been getting back into listening to a lot of Ram Das and like one of mm -hmm. the things I notice about myself when I go down that YouTube rabbit hole of Ramdas talking is I'm attaching to something that I don't want to be attaching to. Cause like the stuff that really resonates with me that he talks about is how it's, it's that letting go of the attachment and that type of thing that is going to allow the next stuff to come in. And mm -hmm. I've been so like that first part of the year was exactly what you described as far as that, like figuring out what I really want to do. And I don't think I would have been nearly as reflective as I have been. And I'm not mm -hmm. even close to what I probably should be. Like, that's one of the things that I love about <laughs> like, you know, getting to talk to people. And like, one of the things I love about like using this podcast as a way to like, I feel like I can see myself better through other people sometimes. And these conversations uh -huh. allow me to see where I'm attaching and where I need to reflect more. And it definitely mm -hmm. all filters in. And I, I relate so hard to that pool. That was amazing. I, yeah. Wow. I get I have so, so much I get, need to think about now. And yeah. So, Yay! so cool. <laughs> and the little synchronicity of the moon was amazing. Like that's so cool. That is the, and so I had three things written down to ask you about and literally it was a uh, funny feeling moving to the country and the pink moon that's coming up so the moon was like in my brain like i don't like i had didn't have much prepared for today but that's been on my mind since uh the beginning of this yeah that's really fun we that, get it on good. we get it on thursday don't we that's what i was going to ask you about so that's uh that's amazing that that's been an ongoing theme here without even having to directly bring it up it's like it was i just... mean the moon is always an ongoing theme for me yeah <laughs> constantly it's just constant 
the other thing that's like so like it's just a weird thing that popped into my brain from or it was in my brain from looking at those numbers I talked to you about earlier that they give you when you've gotten to a year anniversary or whatever is mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. it shows you the genders that listen to your podcast and I'm like mm-hmm. almost 80% female like it's like and I was showing like my friends that have podcasts I'm like are you guys like this like we don't do very much like I mean I guess it's different than a lot of like most of my friends do like more direct paranormal podcasts and stuff and theirs uh-huh. is all like like 60 40 male like it's all much either closer to you I'm like that's that's wild so that's just funny like a little synchronicity that, that popped out is there interesting that, yeah. that yeah, is totally. interesting good for um, you yeah that's why I, I, I take it as a compliment honestly yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. This was amazing, Sutton. I feel like this is a perfect place to start wrapping this up. And like, I thank you so much for doing. I honestly had no clue what I was going to do for my year anniversary because I had something planned that I was supposed to record when I didn't have a voice and had to cancel it and couldn't reschedule it. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to like, you know, I'll figure something out. And then this turned out even better than what I had planned, to be honest with you. So happy year. Happy year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to put this up on Friday for everyone to hear and like have, yeah, thank you so much. Like this, I, the universe lined this all up completely. I did not. Yeah. I can't think of a better way. Yeah, totally. Oh, Thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. I love it. Absolutely. The one other thing that I want to mention before because it's come up several times and you mentioned it in the beginning of the uh, funny feeling podcast as well. And actually mm-hmm. when we first started talking before we started recording, but the importance of involving yourself in community around this stuff. Like I, th- I feel like you mentioned that in a funny feeling that like, this is the time to reinvest in like your local thing and like that. And mm-hmm. that's something that Allie and I, like Allie just started volunteering at, locally at one of the uh, food drives. And we've been talking a lot mm-hmm. about getting, I'm trying to get more like local art, uh, like art shows going on and things like that again and get more involved. Mm-hmm. And it was just such one of those things that feels like it's very connected to this whole thing. And, yeah, I, I, I mm-hmm. wanted to bring that up before we ended. If there's some thoughts, no, it, it feels it. like the fungi idea personally, and and this is just information that like I had already been naturally doing, and then all of a sudden I started to like hear it in all of these, um, at, like astrological worlds of like this is the week where you're supposed to be connecting with your community. This is the week where you're supposed to be, um sitting down with your friends and this is the week where you're supposed to. And I was just like, this is, I mean, that's exactly what I've been doing in my little new hometown that I've moved to and putting myself out there and forming more relationships. And I really do think it's just because again, it's about that collective consciousness, right? The collective Mm -hmm. connectivity and tissue and fungus that, that, um, that, that connects, us all together because without that we're living in a dark time right and 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 from the beginning of time that's what we've attempted to do i mean cave paintings is the way to communicate with other is to tell a story and to communicate with other people before there's written language and like storytelling and and, and tarot cards, right, is a way to connect people. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's what the tarot, I'm just, again, I use the word obsessed, and I'm going to continue to use the word mm-hmm. obsessed, but the synchronicities, the 
connections, the similarities, right? No two tarot card readings are ever the same. And yet I see all of these distinct similarities in what people want and what they need and what they feel. And, and that's really comforting. Right. So I think, right. So I think the idea of being in your community to see where it, it connects to somebody else is a comforting thing. We need the comfort of, of being around other humans and being around other things and people and, and all of these things and trying to build something where people connect to us in a way. Right. Yep. And I, yeah, I, I just think, you know, one little comment about something lovely that you, you, you talk to somebody at an art show or one little thing where you, you know, mm-hmm. are doing that and, and communicating with people is like, it could change everything for you. And those are the, that's the piecemeal manifestation 100%. because I can only, I'm screaming into a void if I'm trying to manifest completely on my own. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm in a room trying to like move energy, but it takes other people to move energy along it, with me. Totally. I, so, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've been obsessed with the idea that part of what makes, um, whether you want to call it magic or synchronicities or all of these weird mm-hmm. things happen is the sharing. Like that's part of the generative like juice that makes these things set off. There's this dude, Eric Wargo that writes about time and how weird time is and synchronicities and a lot of things that revolve around synchronicities and precognitive um, creatives and things like that. And he has a, a line that he says that sharing the synchronicity is part of what makes the synchronicity happen retrocausally. So like the fact that like you had that synchronicity it wouldn't have happened unless you actually are inspired to share it with whoever it's revolving around like synchronicities always seem to be a revolving around something else like there's, there has to be a mm-hmm. second party and part of the sharing and i think about that a lot in so many different ways and like how the more that people kind of interact with that local community and it, when you were just saying that even this podcast more than anything was probably me trying to get involved in a community again. Like it was probably me. like, like I had like started a family and kind of gotten out of the community I was in before having that family as Uh heavily. I was very involved in like the local music scene. I put on shows, I traveled, I toured, I like did that. It doesn't really function too great with having two kids and like having to, you know, (laughs) all that stuff. So like, I still have all those friends, but I felt the need to have a community I could interact with more, I think. And I like, this Mm -hmm. is the first time I'm really putting this all to words, but like this podcast was a way to reach out and build a new community that like is, uh, -hmm. like I said, before inspirational to me and just things that I was literally listening to. I'm like, I want to talk to this person about this. Like and that's so <laughs> I think community is like such a bit and like sharing these things is such a big part of how it all works. And I, I love that. Like I yeah. I know me too. And it's and it's more ripe for community right now. It's like we need it yeah. and, and we need to be around it. And then, you know it's funny went to like to say one more thing about where we started with manifestation, the idea of manifestation and creating a reality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, gratitude becomes just like synchronicities and sharing the synchronicity. Did the idea of sharing it become the thing that, um, made it happen. It's like gratitude becomes the cyclical part of manifestation because people say like as much gratitude as you can send out into the universe sends source as I like to call it, or the universe or the goddess or the God or whatever, send that 
message to whatever divinity is out there that I really like this, I'd like more of it. And so when we don't have gratitude for the things that we're already getting, it can get muddy. And so the more grateful we can be of what we've manifested, like leads to the manifestation of more of it because we're sending out to the universe that I'm really grateful for it. And it's funny that you said the thing about the synchronicities because like I am a I'm, I'm part of a family of a lot of muggles, right? And I say muggle in the, oh, more Harry Potter references, but yeah. I say muggles in the sense that like people who don't believe, right? Who, yes. or who, yes. who are, are suspicious, right? And um, I have now gotten like a significant portion of my family who are very supportive and believe in me, right? Um, but all think it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm hooey i've got a significant amount of my family now telling me when it's 11 11 which is a synchronous one of my favorite synchronicities i have it tattooed on my wrist 11 i love 11s i love 111 i love 11 i just love 11s mm-hmm. and now my family will be like Sutton, it's 7 11 but not like in a teasing way they're wow. like genuinely excited to see it and i'm like no i know i know isn't it great You'll see it all the time now. (laughs) And that's amazing because that allows a part of this that is so... Oh my God! It was one eleven. Right now, we've been recording for one. No, no, not the time. No, the the. That's amazing, Sutton. My eyes just went to the. uh, That's amazing. Wow. Okay. Whoa. No. Again, it's probably the third time I've gotten goosebumps during this episode. But that that's so special because it not only allows them to like interact with you in this special way, but it stops and makes them smile for a second. Like even if they don't believe it, even if they don't think that that little synchronicity is the universe telling them something or whatever you want to define synchronicity as it stops and make them giggle or smile or think enough about you to send you a message. And that's what this stuff's about. Like this stuff's about like, like taking a second and being like, Oh shit the world is magic and like we're surrounded like there's no we don't need to re-enchant the world the world is enchanted as fuck we just need to remember oh, that absolutely. like we just need to like sit in it and those Open little 11 11s yes and like yeah. i think that's so beautiful that that you've gotten to kind of spread that in into the muggles of your life like that's wonderful exactly <laughs> the world is enchanted it truly mm. is it truly is and that's why when you see the birds that's an enchantment right in physical form mm. of being able to see something enchanting in the world so everybody open up your eyes, man. It ha- they, it's like, open up your eyes. Yeah, that's open beautiful. Open up your eyes. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And again, okay, I think this is actually the perfect place. We were meant to keep talking just to hit that one, one, one there. That I was could not 100%. believe when I looked up and I was like, oh my God, we've been talking for an hour and 11 I, minutes. And ooh. just through that conversation, you were like done. And it was like, nope, just turned to an hour and 12 minutes. And I was like, there, oh, perfect, oh, good. That's perfect. beautiful. <laughs> well, Sutton, thank you so much for doing this again. Tell people where thank to find you. you, where to reach out to you, however you Absolutely. want people to find you. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I am Sutton Crawford on Instagram and TikTok. Is TikTok going to be a thing? Who knows? We'll but see. I'm Sutton Crawford on, <laughs> we'll see on Instagram, on TikTok. And then my website is suttoncrawford.com. You can book readings with me through either my Instagram or my website. Um, I offer a, a bunch of different options uh, and different prices points for having uh, a tarot card reading and i'm i'm yeah come and talk to me come and hang out with yes. me come and dm me <laughs> do it sutton is amazing it's uh the, so every uh, couple months i get to buy a reading for Allie, and like it's her 
I've heard you use the term, uh, is it therapy that you, uh, that you coined? I say that? I'm a therapist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and like, it's a hundred percent. Like she leaves those calls just feeling so much lighter and just like, it's just amazing how much impact those have on her, uh, day to day. Like, so, so happy. everybody reach out. I highly, highly recommend. And just the way that I'm feeling leaving this conversation right now is amazing. Sutton. So thank you Yay, for spreading this energy. You. And, yeah, My thank you for pleasure. Everything. Happy year. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. I'll have links to all that good stuff below. And yeah, I'll be talking to you soon, Sutton. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. I will. <laughs>